and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm ready. Good. Also <laughs> joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Good to be here. Also joining us all the way in Rivers, Tennessee, where the pastor of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Hey, what's up? Well, it's a cause for celebration here on Say That. You're hearing this a couple of weeks after we record it, but as we record it, we've just, as a staff here in Chicago, celebrated the birth of our fearless leader, Uncle Glenn here. Yeah. Woo! Lord. So check in. How you feeling? You know, some of the gifts were pretty subpar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you did judge the uh, various kinds of beef jerky you were yeah, giving I, 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 I What I did was I gave a uh, a uh, a live rolling review of the gifts as I opened them. And it was uh, it averaged about a star and a half there. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a pretty poor showing. Glenn's the only person I've ever met who can give negative reviews to gifts he bought for himself. Yeah. Or he bought it and put it in the bag, so he knows what he's going to get, but he can still be disappointed. Yeah. 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 That's pretty special uh, skill. Uh, I just love staff birthday time. I can't get <laughs> enough of it. May it. Long may it rain forever and ever. Anyway. Sure, but just, just you, physically, or getting on. You know, a lot of times when you're having a birthday, you f- start to f- you know, feel things bear down on you. How, how are you physically holding up? Do we have a... We have a well, a well fit Uncle Glenn on our hands. No, yeah, it's all, it's all fine. Oh yeah, okay. So no, like new, you know, plans for the, you know, new next year of your life, anything? No, you know? yeah, no. You're not, you're not trying to, you know, kind of, you know, get in a little bit better shape or anything. No, no, it's good. So okay. we should, should start the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, wait, I declare an emergency. Wow, that took a, that took a serious and fortuitous turn for us. <laughs> now this is, you guys are not going to believe this, but I come up with a new health thing okay it's to make you more fit oh i do know you love fitness that's like a big part of my life sure yeah. i heard you did over a thousand yeah um <laughs> you got your latissimus and your dorsimus and that's you got to work out your muscles sure you know, to get to get stacked sure to be cut sure as they, that's how they'd say it i think <laughs> stacked is a term of physicality but i don't think it means that are you seeking to become swollen? Something. Also, not the right terminology. Um, Close to the term you hear at the gym, but not quite right. Um, it's more of a doctor's office term than a gym term, really. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing you have to do is you try to you have to get in shape, y'all. Sure, absolutely. But the thing is, you know, is gyms are expensive and it takes a long time and it kind of hurts. It sounds like you found something that uh, well, revolutionizes like, the whole process. You ain't, you ain't wrong because here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, some of y'all, all you hear is my disembodied voice, right? And you assume I'm I'm just uh, cut like from granite, you know, like sure. I just got a body, right? You know what I mean? Like because it's the that's, statue of David just come to life and given voice, because that's how my voice is, right? Well, sure. I got I look. Let's face it, I got a pretty handsome voice. Sure, totally. okay. The voice is of a handsome person, but you see me in real life, you know, I'm built like a potato, okay? <laughs> so it's like you know. Uh, you know, nobody wants that. Sure. And so, um, you know, uh, I'm talking with the missus, and she she gives me these. Um, the uh, they got a new report on cholesterol or a new thing on how to lower your blood pressure. She sends me all these health things because uh, I don't do anything with it. You know, I don't I don't do any health anything. Right. So I got I got to have health. You know, so I, I meditate on it. I pondered it, and I come up with a new thing. Okay. It's going to be amazing. Are you ready for my idea? Probably not, but you're going to tell me. Okay. 
Uh, I call it CrossFit. Dude, you're going to do CrossFit? Yeah. Now, here's what it is, is you got some wood, uh, okay? Uh, okay. And you nailed out wood together. Oh, okay. Big old 10-foot cross. I, I don't think that's okay. what CrossFit is. And what you do is you get that cross and you carry it right to the middle of town and show everybody how it's going down. And what that does is it works your lats. Okay. And your quads. Okay. And uh, your core. Okay. Strengthens your core. Okay. And then you're fit and you carry your cross. So you know what it is? CrossFit. Okay. I, uh, well, so is this is, is this how you can like, you can work out and be a witness at the same time? Now, see, Lee gets it. Okay. Lee understands the whole idea. I Everybody else is at the gym and they ain't, they, you know what? They're not saying anything about anything. Right. They got their little God's gym shirt on. Lame. Right. Okay. That that just, you know, not me, dude. You're against copyright infringement jokes. Dude, this is no kidding. I saw a dude uh, one time with a shirt that said, Jesus didn't tap. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. That's a bumper sticker as well. No kidding. Wow. Wow. Um. Very if, you're, if you're a longtime listener and have heard us review the trailer of Fight Church, that came up as a point of doctrine, more than a slogan, really. <laughs> Lord. No, but that's, you know, I'm witnessing while getting fit. Right. And there's no competition for that. There ain't nobody in that game. Sure. So uh, that's my new thing. I'm going to be calling it CrossFit. Okay, Look, I, don't, and I don't. Everybody will be fit. By carrying their crosses around. Sure, I don't mean I don't mean to be negative, but for right. some reason that seems to that role seems to fall to me on this show. But uh, <laughs> there's a few things that may be a hiccups in the plan here. One, um, are you saying that you don't want to invest because that would be a huge disappointment well, to I've me got right a couple now? Questions. That would be a crushing disappointment to me right We're now. We're gonna do the Shark Tank situation. I got a couple of you know, follow up questions. R- right, Just okay. Do my, my no, I'm prepared here. for that. I'm prepared sure. for that. You're aware that there's already a heavily trademarked. Um, fitness system called CrossFit that ain't this. Uh, first, like if you believe me, if you, I know you have a Facebook account, right? And if you've been on Facebook, oh, you've heard of CrossFit. Well, I do have a Facebook account, and you know full well I never go on there. That's th- as <laughs> evidenced by this because the first rule of CrossFit is oh, talk about CrossFit. Everybody needs to know a lot. <laughs> yeah. Instagram your CrossFit. If you power clean, but you didn't Instagram it, did it even count? Okay, here's what I know. Okay. We record this now. Yes. But people don't hear it now. That's true. They hear when? Whenever they want to. That's in, the beauty. In the future. Technically, right. yes. Okay, so what you're trying to tell me is in the past, somebody invented CrossFit, but I've invented it now. Okay. <laughs> So here's what I'm trying to tell you: that haters gonna hate. Sure, I can't okay. be responsible for that. Well, you know, I have an amazing idea. You know what? And you know, and I'm just gonna put this out there. Here's here's how I am. Tell me, being Christian about it, right? You could call yours CrossFit too. Okay, okay. You, you got your CrossFit. I got my CrossFit. And you know what? Battle Royale. We see who wins. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not I'm not a, a legal expert of any kind, much less on a trademark and patent law. I don't think that argument's going to hold water in court, but you sound very confident. So maybe yeah. let's just skip that step. We'll, we'll right. consider we're going to table that. Right. For now. Sure. Right. The other is you want people to carry 10-foot crosses right. everywhere they go. Yeah. That seems like that's going to have an inconvenience factor. 
Like, what if I if I live in Chicago? Like, if I live, you know, in Oak Park, where we are, and I want to take the train downtown, right, to work, I, I don't think they're going to let me fit that cross on the train. Let me tell you what, that's you. You got to first of all, you're defeating the purpose. The 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 ten foot cross, you gotta you gotta walk that to work. You follow me? Follow what I'm saying here? You can't. You just on the train with like a cross. Mile commute. There's no. Let me tell you what. Ten miles. That's that's how you get fit. Right. Hello, yeah, you, the, the real question here is: This is not just about Matt's physical commitment; it's about right. which is no. That's which is really also kind of null. about being a witness for the Lord. This is what I'm trying. Let me let me tell you that the people doing the fake CrossFit. Let me ask you a question: <laughs> How much witnessing are they doing? None. Well, they're doing a lot of witnessing. It just happens to be about CrossFit on Facebook. <laughs> okay, well, but see, that's what I'm saying is. We're gonna we're gonna uh we're gonna get people fit. All right. And saved. Because you know what? You see a dude carrying a ten foot cross, you say, I wanna get in on whatever that's about. <laughs> sure. Whatever that, this gentleman's a, in on, he's got a lot he's got a lot going that's on. That's a sharp religion. I wanna get in on whatever brought <laughs> that, that guy on. carrying that giant cross and knocking old women over with it yeah. on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, that I I I you know, that's a dude I wanna Well, get I'm intrigued with. since you're looking yeah. for money here. What yeah. is your plan to bring the real CrossFit to market? Well, and I appreciate the the title, the real CrossFit. Because I think you're 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 totally and I vibing am, with me, and I appreciate your sharp venture capitalist mind in asking that question. That's what I do. Yeah. Well, I think uh, what we want to do is um, get uh, endorsement. Okay. You know, uh, celebrity endorsement. Okay. You know? uh, so I think that's that's what we had to do is find out who should be doing the CrossFit. Okay. Now, uh, people listening to this podcast know. Who are we gunning for? Joel Osteen. Right. Sure. Oh, man. What better way to bring all this together and squash this feud right. than for, for him to endorse your product? For him to endorse a product. And he's carrying it around, you know. Right. And he's showing people how to do. Right. I think that would be great. So your idea is that if Joel Osteen would physically haul a 10-foot cross around the streets of Houston, mm-hmm. sure. um, then we would make money? And you know what? I think it would go a long way towards healing our relationship. Okay. <laughs> and I, is, I think that's the least he can do, Jen. Given that it's early July when this podcast comes out, I think if anyone, much less uh, a 50-year-old man at this point, hauling a 10-foot cross around Houston in July would only lead to horrible health problems as opposed that's to- That's how you get positive. fit. <laughs> You're that, saying- Let me tell you, when they say feel to burn, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> Okay. I do like the idea that you developed this whole system because you looked at work at working out and thought it's not Christian enough. That's exactly right. You th- see now you're this, finally need, Matt's on board with. I me. need to take this physical suffering and inject some emotional suffering right. into it. You know that's how I show people that you are really committed, and you know uh, what you got to do with your uh, CrossFit. It, you you get in on the beginners level, right? But then when you take it to the to the next level, that's the extreme CrossFit. Right. Okay. But that's you don't, like advanced cross carrying. Absolutely right. But the difference is you don't spell it with the E at the beginning. Okay, it's just an X. It's just an extreme right. CrossFit. And that, that's for your uh it's like a uh what do you do is a CrossFit triathlon. Okay. 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 So I know what you're thinking, you know, the swimming part. Might be easy peasy, <laughs> all right? 
you know, because you got the it's floating already. Okay. So you know, okay, that's fine. Then you got it on the bicycle, and that's it's tricky to maneuver a ten foot cross on a bicycle. Well, that really works your core. You got to stabilize. That's what I'm trying muscles. to say. Is it strengthens your core muscles because you're trying working your balance while you're pedaling. You're pedaling sure. like crazy, pedaling, 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 but you got the ten foot cross. Right, right. You know right. that that throws off your balance, Jed. You saw, <laughs> see what I'm saying? You got to You got to be. You got to have training. For this. Right. Absolutely. And then then you run a hundred miles with your <laughs> with your cross on your back. Show and you, you get fit. fit show me what a fitness enthusiast you are. That you have no idea the distance of a run with a triathlon. I, I really blanked <laughs> there. At the end. <laughs> but uh, that's that's it. That's extreme crossfitting. Well, man, I you sign me up. I'm ready to just write a check. Yes. Right now. Yeah. Because let me tell you what. Uh, you got you got a lot of you know the wood don't just grow on trees. No, you know what I mean so you gotta you gotta put that together. Sure. Well, I wanna like I I, I don't like to I don't like to be the one who poo-poo's on everything and is negative. I'm gonna help. Right. I'm okay. Give you another idea. It's yours for free. You can. Cool. I'm gonna we're a cross-platform integration synergy, right. all that kind of stuff. You know, there's a lot of stuff now. You get your, you know, your phone, or they're coming out with like the smartwatches, right? And they all got the the fitness apps, right? So it'll tell you like, you know, how far you've gone, or you know, right. come and you play your music, or you get a little encouraging phrase. I think since we're doing a Christian fitness program, it should be that kind of thing. But instead of being positive to encourage you, it should try to guilt you whenever you start right. laying off, like really passive aggressively. Okay. Like if the bottom of the cross touches the ground, we got a sensor in that. Right, right. And it's just your voice comes on and goes, "Oh, that's okay. You don't have to keep going." Sure. Right. I mean, you know who who kept carrying his cross? Jesus. Wow. Some, but you can just stop here. That's yeah. probably fine. Some people choose to go on, but if you want to quit, I guess that's fine too. I mean, if that's the way you want to live life, being a quitter all the time, I t- I totally support you. Right. I think that would work. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I think based it. on what we know about uh, Christian products. I think the more guilt you can pour in there. Uh, that's been really successful. Right? Is there anybody sure, I else? I laziness goodbye. Is there anybody else that's honestly and actually concerned that someone would hear this, leak it, and somebody would actually create this? <laughs> My no. Actually, I mean, yes. I think that would happen, but it doesn't worry me. I've just learned to accept it at this point. <laughs> CrossFit. I will the say. real CrossFit. And, and the, 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 see, the, when you spell it out, CrossFit. Yeah. The, the T at the end is a cross. Wow. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. That's that's a, I just thought of that. I'm, a, I'm on fire tonight. You're totally you know on what I'm fire. Saying? fire. I got, these ideas are just shooting out of my brain. You're an idea man, Johnson. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. I uh, will say this, Lee. I think your concern is a, is a solid one because I'm trying to pull this picture up. Here we go. I was at a, a local uh, used bookstore here in the Greater Chicago area. I was looking at the, the Christian section because sometimes I just like to punish myself. And I looked up and saw the uh, maybe this guy will be up for a tie-in. I did. I took a picture of it. I can't see the guy's name. Probably all for the better. Ready for the title of this here book? Yeah. The Pray Fit Diet. The Seriously. Fit oh, diet. I've got visual evidence. There were three copies of them at the used bookstore, never touched, which lets you know, hopefully, how well that book did. But you, uh, you just pray so hard that you burn calories. I guess if you are constantly praying out loud, you can't eat. Uh, okay. And it's not like it's not. It doesn't appear to be like a one-page book. You think it'd be like you know, prayer doesn't have anything to do with dieting. These are separate things. Go buy a different book. Right. But uh, <laughs> given that that's the market we're working with, and that book actually got made, I don't know if anyone bought it, but 
someone was paid to write that book, I think I think the real CrossFit has a chance. And on that basis, yes. wait a minute. Yes. Just we're gonna go with historical, not the real CrossFit, the true CrossFit. Oh the yeah, true CrossFit. Mm. Oh yeah. And on that basis, I declare a truly athletically fit emergency off. Nicely done. And spiritually fit. Nicely done. With a good witness. And yeah. Uh, totally. CrossFit. Your quads sing the praise of his glory. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, that's an idea we came up with for a thing. Another idea we come up with a thing that wasn't a uh, crazed, multi-crazed uh, foreheaded <laughs> rant of insanity was Bridgebox. That's actually a good idea. We've been doing it for a year or so. It really, it works. It's functional. It helps people. Here's what Bridgebox is. Is it He's, like CrossFit? No, it's not quite CrossFit. Okay. We ca- it'd be cool if it was like CrossFit in that everyone who did it, who was a Bridgebox subscriber, did nothing but talk about it all day long. Be great. That would be the only really the really only area of CrossFit carryover we want, and even that would get old after a while, like even to us. Here's what Bridgebox is. You sign up, you give $8 a month donation to our ministry, and in return for that, you get a monthly digital magazine with songs, sermons, writings, videos, lots of cool stuff to help you with your walk. It's based around a different topic every month. This week's this month's topic is what I do when I'm strong one minute and weak the next. So real practical stuff about to how to help you out in an area of your walk. And the money you give to that goes to helping us do ministry here in Chicago, resources to um, do things like hire part-time employees for the neighborhood, give people bus passes, uh, get people medical care, get people fed, all that kind of good stuff, and tell them about Jesus the whole along the way. So you get ministered to and fund ministry. You're not going to beat that deal anywhere. You can sign up at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Or if you like the a little extra Lee Younger flavor in your stuff, you can sign up at missionusa.com slash BBLY for the Lee Younger branded Bridgebox. It's a brand new track from Lee every month and some stuff he's picked out from previous Bridgeboxes. You can email me and Matt at missionusa.com to get the super secret link to get both of those for a discounted price. All right, we're going to move on to our first question here. If you have a question for us, wait, hang out with us all the way to the end. I'll give the addresses you can get us at first question came in via our email it says i could use some advice on jealousy i noticed this past weekend that i still have a tendency to feel jealous or maybe even insecure when i think about the guys my girlfriend dated in the past and the guys she almost dated it's dumb especially when i look back and consider my dating life before i started following jesus and i need to know some steps that i can take to get over this jed can you start us off I can, and we appreciate your question, and I really appreciate your honesty, man. Um, yep. You know, it's, it's the kind of thing, actually, I think a lot of people struggle with, and not many people are prepared to be honest about. And right. This can come from a couple of different places, but um, let's look at, at kind of, as you put it, that, that insecurity piece. Um, let's be honest. Um, there are other guys your girlfriend could date that are way better looking than you. And there are other guys uh, that your girlfriend could date that are, uh, to reference our emergency, in way better physical shape than you because they've been doing the true CrossFit. CrossFit. There. <laughs> That's just great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes me happy. There are other guys, girlfriend, who could, da- could date no more Bible than you, uh, uh, play guitar better than you, whatever. The, the list goes on. But here's the important part. Your girlfriend, at least in theory, is dating you because she wants to be with you. She, she digs you. She just digs your flavor. She digs the dude that you are. I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we prepared to simply receive that? Are we prepared to to be okay with that? In other words, one of the things that can get us into trouble in relationships is when we start looking at this almost as a transaction. 
kind of thing. Um, I, you know, uh, I am pretty, therefore this person wants to be with me. My, my prettiness compels them. Well, um, that can allow us to feel secure for a moment because we feel like w- we know the economics that are driving this relationship. I am, I am attractive and they want to be with some attractive, therefore I have them. But what happens when you wake up one day and you don't look all that good, which by the way happens to all of us. Um, you know, uh, you know, this girl, you know, I, I'm, I'm a high performer and high earner at work. So she wants to be with me cause I provide security. Well, that, that feels good and makes sense until you get laid off. And, and now what do we have? Or someone else exists who makes more money than you. Exactly right. Um, those things can feel good for a moment, but they don't last. They're not able to last. If we want to have you know, a healthy relationship, we're going to have to make peace with the fact that on some level, this person's with us because they love us and they're, and they're choosing to be with us. But the really important part, the thing that I'd really encourage you to ask for some steps, the, the thing that I'd encourage you to look at and is to get out a journal or something you can write with and write down, if I woke up tomorrow and I was absolutely convinced that my girlfriend was crazy about me, didn't have eyes for anybody else, didn't, you know, it just wasn't an issue, just dug my flavor, and I could be at peace with that. What then? What would this relationship look like? What would I do differently? What um, I'm spending time and energy in my brain mulling over, you know, she dated John two years ago, probably wants to be with a guy who's more like John. I'm not like John at all. We've got We're spending a lot of time thinking about that. If we weren't thinking about that, what would we be thinking about? What... If we weren't afraid that maybe this relationship isn't going to work out because of John, he is pretty tall, dark, and handsome, that John. Mm. It's pretty hey amazing. John. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we weren't afraid of that, what would we do with this relationship? Um, you know, r- relationships are at their best when they're doing something, when we're a team and, and we're uh, uh, accomplishing some kind of goal together. Be, you guys are going to lead a Bible study together or you're going to... Um, you know, uh, go volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club together or, or something. You're going to have some kind of purpose to your relationship. And in fact, kind of the definition of a healthy Christian relationship is one where the two of you are able to accomplish more for the Lord together than you could separately as individuals. That's that's kind of one of the key details. And I think the thing about this insecurity is it keeps us from ever beginning to ask what that could look like. Um, as as long as we are in this weird insecurity realm, it keeps us wondering. Well, probably she really wants to be with John, and I, maybe if I could be more like John, I'd be okay. So the answer to that um, is to start thinking: if this wasn't an issue, what would we want to do? And then start living that life. Start having that kind of relationship. The truth is, your girlfriend's with you because she wants to be with you. She cares about you. You're the person she chooses to be with. But you already know that. You you don't need me to tell you that. the The, the trick is to figure out what would we do if this insecurity wasn't an issue and start walking down that road and the more that you walk down that road the more you pursue that the more you'll find that insecurity doesn't have the same hold on you anymore absolutely glenn i completely agree with that in fact i'd like to build on it i think insecurity is really behind jealousy when you you see jealous people insecurity always is driving that insecurity is poison for relationships you any of it you see or find anywhere uh, you should be looking to root that out wherever you can. Uh, the other thing with insecurity is that people who are dealing with insecurity and wrestling with insecurity have a way of putting the onus on the other person. You have to talk me out of being insecure. You have to tell me I'm the best boyfriend you ever had. Or you yeah. have to whatever, whatever, whatever. And uh, that doesn't work. You know, it's, yeah. The only one that can defeat your insecurity is you. 
So um, uh, by putting that pressure of on the other person, say, talk me out of my insecurity, uh, suddenly you are the boyfriend who should be jealous of the other boyfriends yeah. because you kind of are sucking now. So uh, insecurity has a way of, uh, uh, of sort of making itself come true, and we, we want to just nip that in the bud exactly along the lines of what Jed was saying here. Here's another thing about our past, and I think you do have the right take on this. I mean, you are honest, uh, and, and you have a perfect perspective on this, so that you have a past too, and that, that you shouldn't be thinking this way. Uh, the Bible verse uh, that you're looking at uh, is the one where uh, the Apostle Paul says in the book of Philippians, this is uh, chapter 3, verse 13, uh, he talks about forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Amen. Everything about your uh, relationships in, in your past, everything about her relationships in her past are just that. They're in the past. We forget what is behind. We strain towards what is ahead. And that, again, ties in with what Jed was saying here. Uh, this relationship has a purpose. It has a mission. We should be about that. We should be focused on that. We should be moving towards what is ahead. Uh, final quick point on that is, you know, um, we were um, – dating my wife and I uh, before we got married and uh, my wife uh, uh, she was a single gal in an, um, an organization that was filled with single male guys so there were lots of guys asking her out uh, that worked in this uh, Christian organization and um, uh, she a couple of times said you know those guys didn't know that you and I were dating so they actually asked me out and I just want to be honest with you and let you know so and so asked me out or so and so asked me out but he didn't know and I you know I just want to make that clear and I said oh okay that's that's fine and she said well now you're not jealous of that are you it's not a jealousy thing I said no 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 I wouldn't be jealous of that uh, and they you know, got good taste you know what do you want. And she says, oh, well, that kind of surprises me. I know sometimes guys get jealous on that. I said, no, I'm not, and I'll tell you why, because as long as you live, you're not going to find another man to treat you better than I do. Come on now. Uh, okay. that's, that's how that goes. Um, I need to make major transformations in my life to be that guy, and you'll notice I'm making those exact transformations right now, and there's a lot of work going on, and there's a lot of uh, you know, uh, uh, effort to make that go. But um, you could look at someone pr that's prettier in the face than me and say, I would rather be with that guy who treats me like crap, but he's pretty. If that's who you are, if that's what you're thinking, I don't want to have a relationship with you so that th there's nothing to be jealous of out of that. But I know that that's not who you are. Uh, but it's a part of what I'm describing with my answer there is that when you fall for somebody, when you're in love with someone, when you're in a relationship with them, it should be your desire already to be the best boyfriend this gal is ever going to have. You don't look over your shoulder to see who's doing it better. If you see somebody doing it better, you ask them, hey, man, how did you do that thing? If somebody, if you see somebody, you know, come with roses, you figure out, she likes these flowers better, so I'm coming with these flowers. You up your game, and you learn. You figure out whatever it is, and sometimes you're just bailing water and just doing every odd, random thing you can think of to make this relationship better and trying to learn as you go. But she's going to be able to look up at any point on any day and say, of all the dudes on planet Earth, one thing I know is this guy is doing his best 
to treat me better than any other man on the face of the earth. As long as you have that attitude, there is absolutely no reason for you to be jealous. All your focus, all your attention will be on uh, focused on trying to be that guy. Absolutely. Lee? I absolutely love that Glenn took it there. It's actually, that's exactly where I wanted to go with that. I always tell couples, uh, just to kind of echo some of that and build on it too, I always tell couples when doing premarital counseling, you know, uh, I look at the dude and tell him, your prime directive is to, um, let's imagine that there's a race for your wife's best friend in this world. And your prime directive when you wake up every day is, I win. Out of everybody on planet Earth, I absolutely win. No holds barred. That's the way that's going to go down. I definitely feel like that is an, that is an awesome and a strong direction to take that. The, the, the only last little thing that I would say on this, and this is a, a thing that helped me a lot with, with some of my insecurities, and, and a lot of it I actually learned from, uh, from, from, from Glenn and Jed just from some situations that we've had just in, in, just in our friendship where... You know, you you know, in certain cultures, you kind of grow up. Uh, you know, uh, w- when somebody gives you a compliment, you just kind of, uh, you know, you do the false humility thing because you don't know what else to do. It's the only thing you've ever seen modeled, and you're like, no, no. I mean, uh, you know, uh, somebody says, hey, that was really good, and you're like, oh, you know, whatever. You're really good, you know. <laughs> or yeah. somebody says, you know, that was really good, and you're like, no, it wasn't. It was terrible. Or somebody says that was really good, and you say, well, was it? Was 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 it? Did, did you did you really think it was good? Tell me what was and, good about it. Be specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but there's a one of my best friends is a is a dude named Potsy. He's a pastor that works with me here at our church. And one of the things I love about this dude is there's uh, he is a humble man, and uh, and it doesn't have any false humility. And if you if he does something really well, and you just tell him Potsy, man, that 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 that. Uh, Sunday school lesson you just did, man, that was awesome. He'll just look at you straight in the face and say, thank you. And then he'll move on. That's it. And uh, the thing I loved about that is it's like, there's, it's so simple. And uh, there's not anybody, there's not a whole lot of people that do that. That'll just say, thanks. No, just, they'll just accept it. And uh, I didn't know how to do that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't really have that modeled for me. I had a lot of insecurity and in kind of all the things that I felt like I was gifted in or called to do and everything. And, and uh, <laughs> I was leading worship one time at the bridge, and I'm just going to bust myself out here. I was leading worship one time at the bridge, and, uh, and quite frankly, the service went, the music portion of the service went really well that night. And, uh, and after it was over, Jed came down and pulled me aside and said, dude, that was really good. And, uh, and just, uh, just out of instinct, I just said, whatever you know, and, and kind of sloughed it off. <laughs> he physically grabbed my arm and said, don't ever do that again. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> nice. And, uh, and, and I was, I was arrested, you know, because nobody ever, you know, the, the only modeling of true humility I'd ever had in my life really was, was this guy Potsy who just, you compliment him and he says, thank you. And, um, and, you know, and so I, I started realizing, you know, I started watching Potsy. I listened to the things of Jed and Glenn, you know, and, uh, and, and I just started to, I made up my mind that if somebody, if somebody gave me a positive affirmation about myself, I was just going to be grateful instead of, uh, instead of driving that further or, or whatever, you know, I mean, I, I sometimes really do have questions about whether or not something went well. And, uh, that's an honest question. But if somebody says it went well, then I'm like, okay, good. 
and uh, just accept it. I tell you that whole convoluted story about how I move forward in an insecurity to tell you this, that so much of this jealousy stuff is um, you don't believe the fact that your girlfriend wants to actually, that, that she's actually picked you. And uh, it's, that's not fair. Um, if, if your girlfriend gives you a compliment, if she says, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I, I'm thankful for you. I think you're awesome. You should say, thanks. I, I think you're awesome too. And, uh, and you should be grateful to the Lord for that. You should be grateful to her for that. Amen. You should accept it because it starts, what, what happens is when you, when you start to actually be grateful about the way that people build you up and encourage you, uh, those insecurities don't have a place to run anymore because you're actually agreeing with somebody and they, they, what happens is they don't have, uh, they don't have any place to land. The insecurities can't actually, you know, set up shop and 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 work and and mess with that por- portion of your brain because you're just letting that person's opinion of that thing was cool or I like you or I've chosen you because I love you. You've let that be the final word, and that changes the whole game on some of this insecurity thing. And I think it actually can have a big, big impact on some of this jealousy when you let your girlfriend's opinion of you uh, be the final word on it. She says, I think you look awesome today. Thanks. You know, and, and I, I will say this is something that I'm still learning a lot because I had, I had uh, you know, three decades of really, really bad modeling from basically everybody I knew on this subject, and I'm starting to grow in it. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm still learning it a lot, but it's made a huge, huge impact on my own insecurity and uh, jealousy. I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I, I used to be a whole lot more jealous about other people who were doing ministry stuff. Are they doing it better than me? Uh, right now, to be honest, I really don't care. <laughs> I don't care if they're doing it better. I don't care if they're doing it the same or worse. I am thankful if I, if I receive some encouragement, and it's made a huge, huge impact. Absolutely. Amen. All right, we're going to move on to our second question here. This came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. This is a really interesting question. It says, why couldn't God write the Bible in a much more easy-to-understand manner? These gospel tracts are so concise. The plan of salvation is clearly laid out. Why is the Bible so convoluted and parts of it so dense and confusing that it causes errors in interpretation and arguments? Couldn't God just have laid out everything clearly? Glenn, can you start us off? Yeah, and I, I, I think I— really want to start with an apology, which is I'm wondering if people maybe have made the Bible sound hard to understand to you. Uh, you mean maybe have, so you'll pay tens of thousands of dollars to go to their school to understand it? Yeah. Interesting. Um, the, the, there's two different ways of looking at the, the, the dilemma you're dealing with of trying to understand the Bible. One way of looking at it is there is a big chunk of stuff that's really foundational and important and essential to know about God that's in the Bible. All of that stuff is dirt simple. Yeah. I mean, you're talking, uh, 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 or, or I'm talking as a guy who has taught little three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds stuff straight out of that book, and sure. they understand it perfectly. So we have to have a vision when we're talking about uh, uh, you know, hard to understand the essential stuff, the foundational basic root of Christianity is dirt simple. Uh, it doesn't require a collegiate level of intellect to get your mind around it. Right. Um, it's not complicated. I can tell you everything important that's written in that Bible in a few set- settings and you'd understand it all easily. 
But the, the second way of looking at that is the Bible is filled with um, a number of nuanced uh, uh, things that it says. It's it, where it's, uh, there's a subtlety to it. There's a, a sense of things being left a bit abstract, and it invites you to look at that in a deeper way and wrestle with that and use your imagination and bring something of yourself to that and, and, and allow it to go to work within you. So, uh, so yes, some of that stuff can be difficult to understand and, and complicated, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. I think you're talking about the essential stuff, which I'm making a case here that it's dirt simple. Jesus said, if you want to know, for example, here's the most important, important thing that we want to know. What happens when we sin and make a huge mistake and and go off and do our thing and indulge our pleasures, what happens? Jesus answered that and he said, there's a father, he has a son, the son takes his inheritance that he that he that." He should have received when the father died, but he just takes it now. He goes off. He goes out and does wild living, and you know, spends it all on his own pleasures and whatever. He he comes to the bottom of life. He's got no money, and he's at the you know living on the streets. And he decides he's going to go back to his father's house. He goes back, and the father sees him from a long ways off. And the father runs to the son, grabs him, and says, "My son was dead. Now he's alive. Uh, he's returned to me. Celebrate." Uh, kill the fatted calf, let's have a party, put a robe on his shoulders, put a ring on his finger. My son is was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Then Jesus said, that's what happens. God's the father, you're the screw up kid. This is what happens when you sin. I have told that story to very, very tiny, tiny children. They've understood it perfectly. Because there isn't anything about that that's hard to understand. Yeah. And that's the most essential thing that there is. Now, yeah, you can interpret that a number of different ways that would be legit. In other words, you could take different nuances of that, different angles of that, and look at it and say, wow, this, there's something, you know, the father runs to the child. That means something. Uh, that he ran to that prodigal son, you know. The, you might say uh, the the father put a robe on his on his sh- shoulders and and put a ring on his finger, and that's an indication of of of, of a status and wealth and and royalty and so forth. So that means something. It's about that he his status was returned to him as a son and not a servant, which he thought he was going to be. So there's all kinds of different things to know about that, and I think that messes up some people as well on trying to understand the Bible. Is they want to they want to know all of it. Uh-huh. They want to com- do the complete knowledge of the Bible and all that's therein, whatever. And the beauty of the Bible, I guess, is to find out that the Bible doesn't do that. It's not going to let you do that. Uh, the, there's always more depth, and that's the beauty of it, and that's the joy, and that's what I would, would try and sell you on, that, yes, some of this is unclear, but but if, if I can, you know, I'm not trying to just try and paint a smiley face on your frustration because it's a real thing. And I struggle with all sorts of stuff in the Bible and trying to figure out what it's saying. Uh, so I'm with you on that. But the, the thing is, when you get into it and you study it and you wrestle with it and you turn it over and you think about it and meditate it on your mind, and then you, you work out what's there and you have that breakthrough, it's so much more meaningful. And it's so much, uh, some, it's, it's, it's more of a personal thing. And you 
you've worked that out in your own way and you've seen that uh, in your own way. So uh, to me, I think uh, we want to be cautious about this idea of taking out uh, the wrestling with it and taking out the, the work of that. Uh, we want to we, we want to avoid that thinking. I I want to know it all. And I'll tell you one last thing, and I'll send it around to these brothers. I think we also need to recognize there are people who love to debate these things, uh-huh. and we need to make sure that we that we not, that we're not near them when they're talking. And <laughs> they should the, be shunned and they, run out. Society. Yes, I mean we we should love them, but at a distance, you know. <laughs> And we should never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, ever look to them for advice and direction on what the Bible is saying, because they're not trying to make things clear. They just like, uh, you know, endless uh, debates and so on and so forth. That's a different thing. The Bible actually cautions against that kind of stuff. Uh, so you want to be around people who are doing what you're doing, which is wrestling with it and trying to figure it out. Absolutely. Lee? Uh, I, I love this question, and uh, I would say two things. One— one thing is, um, <clears throat> if you and, and I totally agree with you, and I've I'm, I've asked this question myself so many times. Uh, my, the two things I want to say are in totally different directions. The first thing is, if you want to find one place where the Bible does like kind of lay it out like the gospel tracts, you actually can find that, and I would say you'd find that in the Book of Romans. Um, what you had yeah. in, in the Book of Romans, basically, the Apostle Paul is saying. There's this church that sprang up in the most important city in the world, the most important, most populous city in the world, and I want to go there because I want to get in there and find out how that happened, and I want to help these people grow in their faith. And he, so he writes a letter to them saying, I'm coming your way, baby, but before I get there, I want to make sure that the gospel y'all believe is the same one that I'm preaching. So here's my basics of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's kind of like a pamphlet. This is, this is the basics. Let's make sure we're all on the same page. I'll see y'all in a little while. Read the letter. Let's make sure we're everybody. And that's what the book of Romans was, was he was sending this ahead of himself saying, I'm coming your way. Check out the basics. If you went through, if you read chapter one three times, and then somebody said, tell me what that says in one sentence, then you would have the first page of that gospel tract. Same with chapter two. Read it a few times. Tell me what it says in one sentence. Same with chapter three. You're you're basically one, two, and three. You're still on the first page of that gospel tract. You're moving into page two, and then so on and so forth into four and five and six and seven and eight. And that's the way, especially those first eight chapters of the book of Romans. You're going to find it walks right down through the 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 steps of those gospel tracts. He says a lot of stuff, but you boil it down, it's going to be that thing. Now that's that's the first thing I would say, and all that. And the reason I bring that up is to say those gospel tracts. They they lay it out like that for a reason. It actually is in there. Okay, so it's not they're not just pulling that out of the air. Uh, but the second thing that I would say, and I think this is really important, is the the Bible is is not mostly stuff like that. It's not mostly little things that are just like the gospel tracks. It's mainly stories. It's mainly stories about people's lives. There's the story of Gideon, there's the story of Moses, there's the story of Abraham, and, and, and the story of Judah, the story of Tamar, the story of David, the story of Daniel, there's the story uh, of, of Martha and her sister Mary, there's the story of Zacchaeus, and, and here's the cool thing about that, because when, when you, if, if you do, you know, people go to Bible school or they go to seminary or something like that, and, and what they want to do is they want to get all this stuff down and they want to talk about, uh, they want to talk about the, uh, the you know the study of the end times 
eschatology and the study of the Holy Spirit, new, you know, pneumology. And they want to talk about, they want to talk about the story, the, the, the study of the Christ, Christology. And they want to break everything down into nice, neat categories so it all fits on an Excel spreadsheet and all that kind of stuff. And the cool thing about the Bible is it defies that at every turn. It's all stories. And these stories are messy. They're full of sinners. They're full of God being completely unpredictable, doing things you never would have guessed he would have done. And when you get into it, you read a story like Zacchaeus, and you're like, wait a minute, I've felt like that before. I felt like nobody in my life wants to know me and they exclude me. And all of a sudden Jesus shows up and he's like, you're the one I want to hang out with. And you're like, whoa, what if Jesus wants to hang out with me? You read the story of Mary and Martha after their brother Lazarus is dead, and this woman is yelling at Jesus, Martha, and she's saying, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And you're like, I've been mad at Jesus before. And you look at the way that he responds to her, and, and, and it's with tenderness, and it's unbelievable. And you're like, does he see me that way? The cool thing about the Bible being mainly stories is that you have a story, and God wants to meet you in your story. And you have no—he's unpredictably tender and beautiful and amazing. And all this stuff, that the, 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 the love that he brings into all these individual stories, and he has a story that he wants to write with you. He, the main thing is he doesn't want an Excel spreadsheet with you. He wants a real, actual relationship with your life. And that's why it's mainly stories. And that's why when we go to it, it's cool to engage in these stories. And you look at a guy like Gideon, who was just a punk. He was just a weak little punk. And God says, you are my valiant warrior. And I want you out of the whole nation. And you're like, what if God sees me that way? What if I've been a measly little punk my whole life, but God sees something more underneath? That's amazing. If God sees me that way, that changes everything. And that's the way that we're supposed to approach these stories. Totally, Jed. This is a great question, man. I'm really glad you asked. And I love what Glenn said. I love what Lee said. Um, the truth is, of course, I can't tell you why God uh, wrote the Bible the way he did, uh, and no one can. That's one of those things that is a bit above all of our pay grades, and we'll just have to trust him on it. As we'll point out, whenever we say this kind of thing, if someone's claiming they know why, Bi why God wrote the Bible the way he did, run far, run fast. <laughs> Uh, but you've heard a lot of great stuff. Here's the bottom line, just to pick up exactly where Lee left off. The point of the Bible is to point you towards something outside of the Bible. Let me say that again. The point of the Bible is to point you to something outside of the Bible. It's to point you to your own relationship with Jesus Christ. It turns out you can actually, you can um, be a Christian uh, you can have a relationship with the Lord without really knowing any Bible at all. Uh, happens all the time, all over the world, every well, day. One, one could argue it happened for the majority of Christianity, given uh, literacy rates at the time. That's exactly right. However, you can uh, know a ton of Bible. You can be a Bible expert and not have a relationship with God. Right. Uh, that's completely possible. My dad uh, is uh, was a pastor for many years and you know uh, went to a fairly famous seminary, and they had one of the world's leading experts at the time uh, on New Testament. Uh, he was you know the go-to guy. Was an atheist. Did not believe a word of it, spiritually speaking, but was a huge academic expert on it. Knowing it and living it are two completely different things. I tell you that to tell you this. Here's Jesus. This is in John chapter 5, starting with verse 39. And Jesus is talking to religious people here, to church people. He says, you church people study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. 
These are the very scriptures that testify about me, and yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Mm -hmm. There's two very, very important things going on there. The first is Jesus is saying, you guys read the Bible like it's a magic spell. You read the Bible like it's something where you just reading it like makes you holy and special. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not. It's not for that. It's. It. It's not meant to do that. It won't do that. That's thing one. Thing two is the Bible that you're reading is meant to tell you that dude over there is what you're looking for. The right. the Bible is a treasure map. The Bible is a guide to find the thing you've been longing for, but that thing is a person. It's. It's. Right. If you can dig it, the way that a lot of people approach the Bible is, it's like they find a map to buried treasure. And they just spend all day just looking at that map. Right. Oh, man, this is a great map. Check this out. If you find a map to buried treasure, stop everything and immediately go find the treasure. Right. The treasure is Jesus. The treasure is knowing Jesus. The treasure is having a relationship with Jesus. As Lee said, the treasure is your story with Jesus. By, by all means, Study the map carefully as you diligently seek the treasure and go go, go forward. Exactly uh, that right. Makes perfect sense. But do not, for the love of all that is holy, do not frame the map and put it over your right. mantle and let that be the end of it, yeah, which is. is what most people do. Yeah. The Bible is a map to find the treasure. Go find the treasure. That's what we want you to do, and that's what the Lord wants you to do. Totally. All right, we're going to go our, jump to our last question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, I've got a question about concerning how to minister to help a friend. She and I have been friends for a while, and we message and still talk and vent to each other. Recently, she started being sexually active and is going through a situation that I don't know how to respond to. I'm a virgin by choice, and I have no idea how to respond to her. I want to react to her with the love and respect of Christ, but a part of me wants to just spit out, you were just in this relationship with the sex, that's all you asked for, that's all you're getting, why are you complaining? I feel like a fish out of water, and I just want to know how I can be a good friend to her in this. Lee, can you start us off? Absolutely. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's an obvious instinct to say in order to minister to someone, I have to have gone through their exact situation. Um, that's an instinct that a lot of people feel it's, it's not actually true. And, you know, all of us on this podcast have done uh, prison ministry and have, you know, have met with people and talked to folks who have been through, uh, and experienced things that, that we've never been through. The cool thing about uh, about having conversations in prison ministry is those dudes are ready for a change and they're they're ready to listen to you on stuff. Um, the difficult thing in a lot of situations in uh, in church counseling or in or in you know or, or with people in your life that that aren't you know ready for a relationship with the Lord is they're not always ready for a change. And <clears throat> the one thing that uh, if you've listened to the show a lot, you've heard. Uh, Glenn say this, you've heard Jed say this, you've heard me say this. <clears throat> We've all said it at one point or another, which is, uh, you know, as far as my, uh, my role as, you know, as, a, as, you know, uh, you know, in the spiritual realm, as far as ministry and stuff like that, I do not give unsolicited advice. Um, yeah. I don't put my foot in where it don't belong, where it hadn't been asked for. Um, we recently had... <laughs> We recently had some people at the church uh, that you know they there was a there was a family situation that happened, 
And uh, and look, dude, they were on the wrong side of this thing. Now, the people that were on the right side of the thing had come to the pastors and asked for help, and will you pray with us? And, and here's the way we've responded to this thing. Do you think we're doing okay? What would you do differently? And we helped them. We prayed with them, the whole thing. And we knew the other people. And then uh, uh, like six months later, we, we got some communication from them that said, you know, uh, we've really been hurting, and you never took care of us. <laughs> and uh, the response to that was was a very simple one, which is, that's not the way we do things. <laughs> um, and not only that, but uh, you weren't hurting, you were hurting people. And the instant that you would have asked for help, we would have been at your door, we would have been ready to help, we would have been ready to do the thing. So here's what this has to do with you. Um, when, when I'm in a situation like this, uh, when somebody's, when somebody's in, in this kind of deal, my, my, my attitude towards, like, for instance, let's say I'm, I'm working with a high school or college kid that's sexually active, and they're, and they're in a relationship that's terrible for them and stuff like that. If they come to me and just tell me about it, or if I just find out about it or whatever, uh, my attitude toward them is, listen, um, I want you to know something. The thing I want you to know is I love you and I'll do anything to help you. And if you ever get to the point where you decide you're done with this, if you ever need me to come pick you up, if you ever need me to come give you some help, you call me first. I'll do anything to help. Um, If you ever get to a place where you're done with this and you want to talk, I can promise you there's a whole different life for you that's going to be more satisfying and better than this one. Whenever you're ready for that, I'm ready to be your guy. You just call me up and we'll talk. Uh, you call me up whenever you need me, and I'll pick you up. When when guys are when guys are running crazy, um, you know, I just tell them, look, you look. It doesn't even matter if it's six months from now, if it's a couple of years from now. If you need me to pick you up somewhere, you just call me. I'll be there. Uh, but if somebody's not ready to make that change, if they're not at the bottom of this thing yet, and they're not ready to do, you're not. You know, if you if you tell them. You just went in for the sex. That's all you asked for. It's all you're getting. Why are you complaining? It's not going to go well uh, because they're not actually asking for your advice at this point. You don't have to have gone through everything that somebody's going through to be able to speak into their life. But in order to be able to speak into your life, they do need to be asking you, you know, that uh, to 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 weigh in on it. They need to be ready to hear you. And the way that you get to that place is you love them and serve them and take care of them. So that when they are ready, when they are done with this thing, you're the person that they call. Totally, Jed. Appreciate your question a lot. Um, and Lee is exactly right. If this is not a situation where the person's asking for your input, um, you need to, to hold back. But let's say for a second that they do. You know, they come to you and say, "I want your input." You know, well, you know, you know, what do you think of my situation here? One of the things that I think Christians tend to have a very, very hard time understanding is the difference between moralizing versus helping someone understand their situation. Those are two very different things. Let me break down what I mean. Moralizing versus giving understanding. When we moralize, another word for that is judgment, where it's about just saying things are bad. 
you know, sex outside of marriage is bad. I don't know if you know that, but it's it's bad. So I, that probably solves your problem right there. It's just because did, did I mention that it's bad? You should it, not be bad. You, you should be good. Yes. Good is the opposite of bad. And that's what you should aim for. So do that. Well, that's that doesn't help anyone. You can see how that's judgmental, how that's, you know, kind of, you know, uh, again, moralizing. Let's contrast that with no judgment of any kind, but purely just giving understanding of what's going on in the situation. You say, well, since you asked and you're trying to figure out, you know, you're, you're feeling hurt and upset and what's gone wrong. Here's what I think you're you've got going on. You were feeling um, uh like you wanted to have some love and affection and attention in your life, which made perfect sense. And then you said, if I could go see this guy and we could uh, basically be friends with benefits, that seems like a pretty sweet deal. Um, I could get a certain amount of that love and affection and attention, and it wouldn't really cost me much of anything. And that would be great. That's that's win win. That that's kind of what you thought going into it, and that makes sense. There's a lot of people in our world selling that exact message but then you got into it and you found out it actually doesn't work that way at all that's that's not how life works what what you found is that it's really impossible to separate um sex from emotional intimacy at least on some level such that there really isn't such a thing as casual sex and you started to feel a sense of emotional attachment to this person and um it, we're kind of hardwired as human beings to expect that to be somewhat exclusive in a romantic context and then it became super clear it really wasn't exclusive and now you're feeling hurt well that all makes perfect sense that's that's i think that's what we're dealing with let me hit pause for a second. You can see there's a huge difference between those two things. One, I'm just saying sin is bad. The other, we're mapping out here's what we did and here's what went wrong. Here's here's why it didn't work. Well, they don't need me to tell them sin is bad. They already know that. They're already aware of that. But they may actually not have a good sense of why this thing didn't work. When we deal with gang members, that's a big part of our job is dealing with guys that are, that are caught up in gang organizations. The thing is, they had good reasons in their mind to join that gang. They had great reasons. It's job security. It's a sense of family. It's a sense of protection. It's a way to make money. It's a way to provide for my family. It's a way to you know to live. Not a, get shot. To not get shot. Live a cool and exciting life. And then we meet them locked up in Cook County Jail. And for a lot of these guys, there's a sense of what went wrong. I mean, what 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 happened? Helping people understand. Here's the left turn that we took. Here's where it went from a good idea to a bad idea. That can be critically helpful. That's actually a, a big big part of counseling. But in order to do that, we have to get rid of all of the judging. We have to turn that moralizing all the way off and simply look at here's what happened. Here's here's the parts that were healthy. Here's the parts where it started to veer into something unhealthy. And here's why you feel the way that you do now. The great thing is, as Lee's saying, you don't have to have that same background at all to do that part. I've never been in a street gang, uh, but I can I can readily help a person understand why that gang lifestyle veered into bad directions they didn't expect it to go. And the thing is, once they understand their own situation, they're about 75% of the way towards solving their own problems at that point. I'm, I'm kind of, if you can dig it, I'm putting myself out of a job, which is what people in ministry should always be looking for. Absolutely, Glenn. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing with this is your uh, mentality, and I, I, I'm coming in on the same note with these other guys, your mentality of, well, you know, I'm, I haven't been sexually active. What can I really say about this whole lifestyle and this whole thing? Um, 
what when we're in counseling situations, I'm going by what the other person is telling me. Yeah. So even if I've been in the exact same situation a thousand times myself, it doesn't matter because it's not my situation. It's yeah. your situation. She's telling you this thing screwed up. She's telling you this is a disaster. Um, what she isn't saying is you probably knew it was going to be a disaster and you probably were biting your tongue the whole time I was doing this. And you were probably like for me to say that this was a terrible idea or whatever, whatever. I think we have a way of sort of wanting that moment of justice and clarity and everybody, you know, whatever. Everybody admit that I knew this was a bad idea or whatever. It's the you were right dance. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I appreciate you wanting that because uh, Lord knows I want that. Uh, we don't generally get that in life. And if you're looking for that in a ministry, uh, friendship, counseling type situation, uh, keep walking. That's not that's not what that is. Uh, people have a way of going from completely determined that they're wrong about something stupid to having the wheels fall off the wagon and end up in complete disaster and coming to you, asking for you to fix it with and, and skipping the moment in between where they say, yeah, I, I know well, you told me wrong. not to do that and that was wrong. So let's, you know, let's, uh, <laughs> we're going to have to deny ourselves that pleasure, unfortunately. Um, the second thing I would say here is, um, along the lines of what Jad is saying is, uh, yes, we need to, if we're going to move forward and, and sort of counsel someone on this kind of thing or encourage them in some sort of way, we need to be on the same page, generally speaking, about the problem. Um, but as Jed is rightly pointing out, it needs to be more about the nature of the problem, the origin of the problem. And generally speaking, that's much more understandable stuff, as yeah. Jed was laying that out. Uh, and I think people appreciate understanding. They appreciate you know, that we don't judge them. And then we don't look down on them for their choices. I mean, some people, uh, uh, you know, you don't get into these kinds of relationships, these kind of sexual relationships and stuff, unless you're a lonely person, unless you're uh, looking for uh, some sort of a connection with other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, I don't, you know, I, I think the last thing you want to do is to look for that connection, not find it, and then have someone tell you, well, that was a stupid way to do that. I mean, that's nice work, moron. <laughs> yeah, that's this is not what you're looking for here. Um, so, uh, what I'm wondering is, um, could we focus on telling her what you wish would have happened instead? Yeah, and what you hope happens next, because that's what that's the most important thing. Uh, I think if I'm in this situation, looking at it, and she's discussing this. I'm sitting there thinking, I think she's already learned this lesson and learned it the hard way. I don't yeah. need to rub that in. Yeah. Uh, I think that's already going to do its own work. But she maybe hasn't learned about what's the right thing to do instead yet. And so that's what I want to focus on. Plus, it's a lot more positive and better to hear. You know, I think if you tell her, well, you know, it seems like you were trying to kind of use sex as a way of getting to a place of, 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 you know, connection and intimacy with this person. And really what it was was a physical thing, and there wasn't an intimacy to it. I, I wish, I, I want you to have that intimacy. I think that's the right thing. I think you went looking for the right thing. I think you just simply hooked that up in a funky way that didn't work. And um, uh, uh, and you're human. You make, you make mistakes with that. You make relationships mistakes. But I would much rather see you find someone you can make a connection with 
outside of the physical. You know, sure, the physical relationship will be part of it, and whatever that looks like at whatever point, uh, we hope that God has a say-so in that. But um, uh, I want you to find that connection. I want you to find healthy, positive relationships. I think I think you can tell her that you feel as though it's a minimum requirement that the person that she's with is fully devoted to her and isn't looking at anyone else and feels that connection with her, that she's not selfish to want that. She's not crazy to want it. It's not, right. it's not an unreasonable demand that those guys are out there. And it's not should, unrealistic. It's not unrealistic. These things happen. These relationships are out there. Um, you know, unfortunately when we sort of put the physical thing first, some of that stuff can get lost in that. And that's just that's a lesson learned. We don't we, we can refer to that and move on. We don't need to dwell on that point because the point is let's focus on the positive. Let's focus on the future. Let's focus on what happens next. And she might make three or four more mistakes like this, but you can keep gently reminding her, man, I, I really wish uh, I wish you'd meet a whole different kind of guy. I wish you'd meet a guy who sees you the way I see you. I see so many special things in you. I don't know if these guys know who you are and how special you are. And uh, I hate to see you sell yourself short and whatever. The, as a friend, hearing those kinds of things can have a huge impact yeah. on people's lives. Uh, so I think uh, giving up the I told you so uh, type of moment and getting uh, and looking towards the future, I think, can help a great deal. Absolutely. All right. If you have a question for us, you can get us at saythatpodcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We want to remind you one more time about Bridgebox. You can get signed up $8 a month to fund a ministry and get ministered to missionusa.com slash bridgebox or missionusa.com slash BBLY. Be sure to check out our other podcasts, The Bridge and The Bridge Loud. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Please cross your lawyers. Don't sue us. Mm-hmm.